You're listening to Bridge the Gap Season 4, a podcast dedicated to inform, educate, and influence the future of housing and services for seniors. This podcast is powered by supporting partners, Propel Insurance, Inquire, LTC REIT, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity. Learn more at btgvoice.com. Welcome to Bridge the Gap Podcast, the senior living podcast with Josh and Lucas, a very exciting topic on today's show and a very accomplished guest. I'm very looking forward to this interview today. We want to welcome Dr. Jennifer Stelter. She's an upcoming Johns Hopkins author, an experienced clinical psychologist, a leader in mental health and Alzheimer's disease and dementia care. Welcome to the show, doctor. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And I also want to mention that um, you are the program director at Link Senior for a brand new uh, engagement uh, institute. So this is the Resident Engagement Institute, and it's run by our friends at Linked Senior. And we're going to talk about that today. You obviously are very uniquely qualified in this field. Before we get into that, would you give us a little bit of your background? Absolutely. So I'm a clinical psychologist and I, you know, for many years have served individuals who have mental health concerns. And so that's how I started my career after graduating from my postdoc at Northwestern University here in Chicago. And, um, you know, for me, it was, I always thought I would, you know, open up a practice and I would have a couch and I would be sitting there, you know, helping people with their, with their problems, right, if you will. And so my track actually didn't go that way at all. Um, I, I did have a, a small private uh, practice with a colleague of mine for a little bit, but uh, when I graduated from my postdoc, I actually went into senior living right after that. And so I had been, in Florida, actually, in graduate school for uh, my time there, getting my, you know, obtaining my master's and my doctorate degree. And when I came back to Illinois, where I'm originally from, for my postdoc at Northwestern, and then when I graduated, I applied for a, a behavioral health director position in a senior living community. And it was actually shocking to me that they uh, had a dedicated program for people with mental health concerns. I wasn't uh, in the privy that that was what had occurred in nursing homes, in skilled nursing specifically. And so um, I got into senior living that way and just fell in love with the senior population. I had worked with them in my postdoc as well, um, but more intimately, of course, when in senior living. And from there, I actually quickly moved up in that company to operations in running the eight behavioral health programs within the company's organization. And then from there, um, I became licensed as a clinical psychologist during that time and decided, you know, there was a lot of help that was needed in our organization because we had memory care programs, we had social work programs, we had activity programs, and just the way that the organization at the time was set up, there wasn't a lot of support for those individuals. And so at that time, I met with the uh, COO and I said, look, I said, these individuals need support and I have every confidence that I can support them. I see the gaps. I see what's needed. And I'd like to be able to help just like I've been able to do in the behavioral health program here for the first year that I was in operations. And so he said, sure, make your title. Tell me what your job description is and let's do it. And so we did. And so I was lucky enough to run the operations for those programs within this uh, large organization here in the Midwest. And then from there, um, 
I took on some other kinds of programs, like I was helping manage our psychotropic medication program for the company and some other ancillary kinds of programs related to we were serving kids who had disabilities and things like that. So I was able to get an array of experience in senior living. And so from there, uh, I was able to make a lot of changes. So uh, that's really my journey. And then from there, when I transitioned from that company, um, I then, uh, well, I had formed a relationship with uh, Charles, who's the CEO of Link Senior. And because the last few years that I was with that organization in senior living, we had actually brought on the Link Senior platform and services. And so he and I actually had talked a lot about the gaps that I saw and where I saw resident engagement going. And from there, um, we we really developed a great relationship. I provide a lot of feedback to him on the platform and where I think it could really help make the healthcare professionals as well as, of course, activity professionals and um, those staff in senior living how it can make their lives more you know their more easier, if you will. And so um, after I transitioned, he said, you need to come on as a consultant. And I said, absolutely, let's do this. We've got ideas. We've got vision. Let's go ahead and do that. And so, and also in the interim, I opened up my own uh, business called NeuroEssence. And uh, all, of course, non-pharmacological love. We spread education and uh, tools and support uh, in dementia care and mental health around using non-pharmacological intervention. And so we're a unique business because we complement so many programs in senior living as well as hospital settings um, and psychology settings and things like that because we are all about using alternative tools, if you will. So that's a kind of long-winded answer to your question about my, my background. Josh, I mean, where do we go from there? I mean, it, it, I'm fascinated. Um, one of the things that really stands out, um, and then I'll let Josh speak. I'm sure a number of things stood out for him. Um, it just is this kind of like alternative approach, um, to non, um, you know, not using drugs as, uh, you know, the primary means of care. maybe we can get into that a little bit later. That's probably a rabbit hole that we don't, I'm not going to chase right now. Josh, um, you know, we're great friends with Charles link senior is, you know, doing amazing things in, in, in the, in the, um, aging older adult field. Um, you know, this new program, um, resident, resident engagement Institute, I think is going to be something that, um, is really going to be valuable to the industry. Yeah. I'm, uh, actually looking forward to hearing you doctor kind of unpack the vision a little bit more and talk to us a little bit more about, uh, as this is actively launching, um, where you see it going and and talk about some of those gaps. I am so excited about it since Charles first told me about it and told me about you. Charles is, I've known him for years. Uh, he's always an innovator. He's always looking um, to how to improve the industry and improve resident engagement. And uh, so I'm so thankful that, that you and he have partnered on this. So with that said, uh, I know you kind of um, weren't intentionally, you didn't have senior living on your radar. We're so glad that you arrived in this space, and it sounds like you are too. But this this REI, this Resident Engagement Institute, unpack a little bit more the vision and where you guys are starting and where you hope to take this. Yeah, um, I want to back up a little bit because I think it's important to understand why you know, why did we want to build something like this in the first place? And, you know, the reality is when I 
um, arrived on in senior living. And more so, uh, you know, the behavioral health entity is, is kind of its own sector in and of itself. But then when I had the pleasure and, and the opportunity to oversee all of the activity directors and the social workers and memory care directors of the company that I was with, you know, I, I noticed that there was a lot of gaps, you know, and what I mean by that is, you know, in, in where I came from in mental health, right, there are benchmarks and standards and requirements and things like that. And it's not to say in senior living, there's not, there's certainly um, regulation that is required to be followed. But when you dive a little deeper into activity regulation in any state, and even when you look at CMS, which is the kind of federal regulation of, of everyone's entity right now that they're following, and then they, the states build their own regulation off of that, there's really no set standards or requirements, right? It, a lot of the language says that you must provide resident engagement through programming in a variety of ways that meets the preferences and needs. Okay, got it, right? You know, but that wasn't enough. You know, when I was working with closely with my activity directors and and memory care directors specifically, you know, they had this you know assessment. They had these assessments that they had to do. Um, most of them were managing um, anywhere from if they were a memory care director, maybe uh, 20 to uh, 60 clients or residents, excuse me, and activity directors, you know, sometimes they were managing up to 150 to 200 residents with a team of people, right? Uh, a very small team of people that were there to manage 150 to 200 residents. And so they did all these assessments and then they created this calendar of events and they were doing some one-on-one -on -one engagement. But my, pro my thought process was, how do you get the assessments? How do you memorize all of those? It's sure you create care plans and things like that, but how do you memorize those to put them into practice, right? It just was so mind-boggling to me how you can memorize all of that. And so, you know, in talking with my directors and looking at how their current processes were when I had taken over, it was, well... We kind of just assume from what we know about our residents and we we then make groups out of it. You know, so a lot of it is subjective. Right. It's I take this information, I think about it in my head and I create. Right. And activity directors love to create. And that's the beautiful part of who they are. Um, but for me, it was, well, how do you really know you are meeting their preferences and needs? How do you really know that you're capturing everybody in your entire community when you have 150 to 200 residents? Right. How do you know how much you should be engaging them to really make an impact on their brain health and their physical health, right? And, and just overall their well-being so that way they can age, you know, in a healthful way, right? The goal is to keep them as independent as possible, no matter where in senior living they're at. If they're an independent, if they're assisted living, if they're skilled, right? If they're in memory care, you want to maintain their independence, right? So, for me, it was, how do we measure this? Um, and so often, too, activities was always seen as, oh, it's nice to have, or, you know, activities are fun. But there's so much more to that, right? Uh, my specialty is, is the brain, right? Is to understanding the mind and the brain and how they work together. And so for me, it was, you know, when you are engaging residents in various ways, you are tapping into different parts of their brains, essentially exercising them. So I, I explained to my activity directors, like, Think of your brain with dumbbells and you're going one, two, three, you know, it's like you're exercising your, your brain and their, their brains and you are allowing their brain to function longer. The brain is the hub to keeping your body alive besides your heart. And so with that said, you know, it was, we need to teach the, these activity directors that 
they're doing so much more than just having fun. Fun is a given. It should be fun. You know, it should be nice to have, but there's so much more. And the more that you engage residents, and I've seen it firsthand, they're going to have better health outcomes, right? They're going to have less depression. They're going to maintain their cognitive score longer, their cognition. You know, they are going to have less falls because they're more engaged, which results in potentially less psychotropic medication to be used, less hospital visits, you know? So when we talk about a return on investment for a lot of our operators, this is uh, resident engagement is a key to that because the more residents are engaged, you know, the less time that they have to, um, you know, sit in their room, less time they have to, uh, you know, not use their brain, right? So with that said, you know, resident engagement is a key to a lot of indicators that nurses are more, that are concerned about, operators are concerned about, so on and so forth. So, so the issue is, is that we said, you know, there's no benchmarks, there's no trend analyses, people aren't necessarily measuring what's going on. And so let's have an entity that can do part of that. Also, what we had thought about is, you know, how great would it be if we could um, take the assessment information, you know, generate it, have a system that says to the activity professional, okay, this is your level of functioning of your resident based on your assessment information. And from there, this is the programming that would be best suited for that based on research, based on empirical data that supports that if you do this with your resident, you're going to see better health outcomes, right? And so we're calling that, you know, social prescription, right? So the Resident Engagement Institute is going to support this entity of social prescription. And so from there, you know, there are other reasons for the Resident Engagement Institute. We know pre-pandemic that unfortunately, because the activity departments and life enrichment departments are, you know, nice to have or they're fun, not a lot of money is thrown into that from the operators because, you know, to the operators' uh, defense, they don't see a lot of how it's a return on investment. And so we hope through the Resident Engagement Institute, number one, we can show that to them. But number two, that we can support the activity professionals more. You know, um, so there's not a lot of money there. You know, a lot of small, uh, small operating systems in senior living don't have the money to pay for consultants and things like that. Some of the larger operators do have VPs of activities or they have VPs of memory care. So we hope through the Resident Engagement Institute that we can also support uh, the activity professionals and provide consultative services that's affordable. We're kind of right now um, talking to and interviewing some faculty that are experts in the field that would be willing to come on and provide their consultative services through this entity. So um, part of the Institute is to do that as well. I think the other process, too, is that, you know, they're post-pandemic now, um, a lot of senior living entities are feeling the kind of financial burden of what has occurred. And so they are pulling money from departments and unfortunately activities is one of them. And so again, the activity professional is not having a lot of money. We hope that we can also be a resource to them to help them think about staffing, help them think about how they can best meet the needs of their residents, right? Without having to pay these very large fees, if you will. So um, the other thing too is is the education component of it, right? We are big on education, and that's my passion is to educate. And so I think that's why Charles and I align so well, and he why he wanted me to become the leader of this institute is because I love to educate on dementia care and resident engagement and non pharmacological approaches and alternative methods, right? 
And so from there, we want to provide a lot of education. Again, that can get pricey. And so we want to be able to offer that to our customers, um, our activity professionals and our staff at an affordable rate. So that way they don't have to pay these large consultant fees. So we're really excited about the Resident Engagement Institute, you know, because where it was, you know, where, where kind of vision, the vision came from and where we want it to go. Well, this is long overdue in our industry, as you touched on, uh, in every sector of operations. Um, there are no widely accepted, I would say, best practices. And obviously, these minimum standards outlined in the various states that regulate the senior living industry are just that. They're the minimum standards. And I think there's a lot of organizations doing amazing things that are cutting edge. But then there's a lot of organizations because of maybe they don't have access to, like you said, the education, the budgets and things like that. I think in many ways, this will be a very specific approach that can help not only your clients, hopefully in the future, even be shared with the industry at events and things like that to help raise the bar and set a quality standard without that having to be necessarily imposed on through a regulatory. Uh, it's always better if the operators, the communities, and the private sector can be an example to others rather than it having to be forced in a minimum standard format. So, so grateful and thankful for that. How um, can you talk to us a little bit more as this is launching and it's also new? How, if our listeners are out there wondering how are they how do they get involved in this how do they become part of this how do they access this can you tell us a little bit about that mm-hmm. sure so um the resident engagement institute is going to be available to the link senior customers and so uh, simply of course as we roll into our june summit which we're very excited about um you know, we will be t- talking more about the Resident Engagement Institute and how individuals can get involved and, and become a part of the institute. So um, it is uh, primary access or, or exclusive access, I should say, to our customers here at Link Senior. Um, and so uh, with that said, you know, there'll be more information that's going to roll out as to how they can enroll and, and all of that. And, and to your point before, I just want to say that, you know, we really want to create a new era in resident engagement. And a lot of it is about rallying with the activity professionals and the rec therapists, you know, out there to be able to say, let's do this together. Let's create these benchmarks together. You know, let's, we'll give you the education. We'll help you with the, you know, we're going to do a lot of research in the Resident Engagement Institute too. Charles is a big researcher and I have a research background. And so, you know, we want to provide the data to say, this is why we're creating these benchmarks and let's rally together and do this together. So we're hoping more people will become, you know, link senior customers and we'll see the benefit of what we're doing because, if you can have a platform that can make your life easier by making your role more efficient and effective through the platform and and through our vision of being able to assess and then be able to take that information and plan your programming for you and then be able to, of course, deliver that program and implement it and then to reevaluate to see if your plan is working. If you have a system that can do that for you, I mean, that's just a no-brainer because, again, our activity professionals and rec therapists, they, they're required to do more with less. So this is the solution to that. Um, and so with that said, it's something where we hope more people will join the Link Senior community um, and, and, and join our movement together. So that way, of course, they can benefit from the Resident Engagement Institute as well. 
Well, Lucas, this is really awesome. You know, our friends at Link Senior and the movement, hashtag activity strong, that our listeners are probably uh, this year in particular become very familiar with. They put out so many awesome free resources, um, as the doctor uh, mentioned the virtual summit that I think started last year. Um, I, I was shocked at the free CEUs and resources that literally last year, uh, a couple thousand people attended, which is amazing to think of that many people. The one that is is right now um, happening is literally um, another couple thousand people are going to be part of it. And the lineup of speakers, including you, uh, are are just amazing. So I know that um, the industry will be grateful to, to get this. Lucas, we talk about this all the time. It, it's really awesome. Dr. Jennifer... Stelter, thank you so much for being on our program today. I know that our listeners are going to want to connect with you on this. We will make sure that we put all of your information in the show notes. To our listeners, you know you can go to btgvoice.com. You can get the transcript of this episode. You can get the rerun of this episode. You can go to YouTube. You can go to our social pages. Let's continue the conversation there. Thank you, doctor, for being on our show today. Thank you. I appreciate it so much. And thanks to all of our listeners for listening to another great episode of Bridge the Gap. Thanks for listening to Bridge the Gap podcast with hosts Josh Crisp and Lucas McCurdy. If you were informed, educated, or influenced by this episode, we want to know. Leave a comment on social media or contact us in the show notes. Powered by supporting partners, Propel Insurance, Inquire, LTC REIT, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity. Learn more at btgvoice.com.